Father in heaven, as we as we prepare to feast upon the word of God, the manna that came down from heaven, the, the one thing that is more important than life itself is your word, Father, because your word is life and it brings everlasting life to those who will grasp a hold of it. And today we're going to study a little bit about your son, Jesus, and a parable that he taught. So we pray, Father, that, that everyone that is in here, all of your children that have gathered together to worship you this morning in spirit and in truth, I pray, Father, that they will be edified through your word. Your word is the power of God unto salvation. So, Father, I pray that your word will be powerful. I pray that your Holy Spirit will anoint it and make it real. And I pray that through it all, our worship and what we do will be holy and acceptable in thy sight. Because our entire mission is to worship you and share the message with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Matthew 22. If you brought your swords and you want to turn there, that's where I'm going to be most of this time. You know, the parable this morning is, is one of those that where Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that's my dream. That's my goal is to make it to that heavenly realm. I want to be there. You know, I wrote a song years and years and years ago that it, it was titled, I Just Want to Be There. And so I just want to be in that heavenly realm. I want to have everlasting life with the Father and, and the Son. And see, I told you, everything's going on today, so it's a good day. This is going to be a good day. Matthew chapter 22, a parable of the kingdom. And while, while you're looking at that, I want, to, I want to share with you a little bit of a reading from Psalm 5. Psalm 5 says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my meditation. Hear the voice of my cry, my king. Remember that, my king. Because that's what the parable's about this morning, the king. And he says, Give ear to my voice, my king, and my God, for unto thee will I pray. And my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. Man, that's the first thing we need to do in the morning, isn't it? Let him hear our voice and praising him for the night that he's brought us through safely. And I will look up. Man, you remember last week's lesson? When we talked about looking up for your redemption is nigh the same way he rose up into the clouds to leave in Acts chapter 1. He's coming back again. So as you see these things approaching, look up. And, and the, David wrote this psalm and he says, I will look up. For you are not of God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor does evil dwell with you, nor the boastful stand in your sight, and none of the workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. But as for me, here we go. Those are the, this is for those that are the children of God. But it says, as for us, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. And in fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord. Lead me in your righteousness. We're going to find out in a minute that's what we're clothed with. But let all those who rejoice, they put their trust in thee. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Do you hear that? The Lord is defending you. Let your name be joyful to those who love you. For you, O Lord will bless the righteous with favor and surround them with a shield. 
Oh, how much more precious is that than to know that he loves you and that he's surrounding you with his shield? Oh, now the kingdom of heaven. That was an introduction to what we're going to talk about. The kingdom of heaven belongs, we're going to find out, to those who are clothed in righteousness. But I'm going to tell you something, it ain't my righteousness. It isn't your righteousness. None of us have any righteousness in the sight of God. He said, even your good stuff is like filthy rags in front of me. What we're clothed with is with the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood. And that cleanses and redeems us from everything. And so when God looks at us, here's a preview of coming attractions. It just, that just kind of confirmed it with me. Next week, next week I pray that you come back and I pray that you bring somebody with you. Because I'm going to do a special message that I think I done four years ago. But most of y'all probably weren't here. And so what I want to do is I want to present this message about how we are clothed with righteousness. And how God looks at us and he doesn't see us but he sees the cross of Christ. So please bring somebody who needs a message of hope and a message of salvation and let them know that they need to be here next week. And I think Nikki's going to be here next week. She's going to love that message. But we are clothed not with our own righteousness. But with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's what the heaven. The kingdom of heaven is going to be filled with. Jesus is winding down his ministry in Matthew 22. In the previous two chapters. He's coming into Jerusalem. It's been Palm Sunday. He's He's riding in on the on the coat of a donkey and he did that uh, to fulfill a prophecy from Zechariah 9 9 it says rejoice greatly O daughter of Zion and shout daughter of Jerusalem behold your king and that's the theme for the day behold your king is coming and he is just and he's bringing salvation but he's lowly and he's riding on the donkey the coal the foal of a donkey Jesus has just rode into Hosanna's. He healed some blind and those who couldn't walk in the temple area. He overturns the tables of the money changers. And he was telling them, you have turned my father's house that is supposed to be called a house of prayer. And you have turned it into a den of thieves. And he's standing in the courtyard and he's, and he's teaching and the Pharisees and the religious folks are all grinding on him. And they can't stand what he's doing. And they're wholeheartedly rejecting him. And looking for a way to do away with him. They rejected the Lord Jesus. They were very pious. They thought that they were already. That their righteousness was it. And everyone else was just lowly. And I'm glad I'm not like you. You remember the guy who prayed. And the, the one, he would beat on his chest and say, Lord, forgive me. And then the pious guy was standing there and saying, I'm glad I'm not like that guy, Lord. That's what we're going to talk about. Who's really in the kingdom of heaven today? So if you're there with me, Matthew chapter 22, verse 1 says this. After all of those things had been happening that week, now Jesus is in that temple area and this is a continuation of it. He's just continuing. So he spoke to them again. By a parable and he said. The kingdom of heaven is like. A certain king. Who arranged a marriage for his son. And he sent out his servants. To call those who were invited to the wedding. But they were not willing to come. 
And again, he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner for you. There's all things are ready. The oxen, the fatted cattle have been killed. Everything is ready. Come to the feast. But they made light of it and went their way. One to the farm, another one to his business. And the rest, all the rest, they seized the servants. They treated them spitefully and they killed them. And when the king heard of it, he was furious and he sent out his armies. They destroyed the murderers and burned up the city. And then he said to his servants, the wedding is still ready. It's going to move on. But those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. And so the servants went out into the highways and gathered together all who they could find, both the good and the bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how is it? How did you come in here without a wedding garment? And when it was said to him, the man was speechless. And the king said to his servants, bind him head and foot and take him away. Cast him into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Wow. Well, we got a lot of things to unpack in this one, don't we? I mean, that's about 14 verses, but there's a whole lot of things that we need to unpack so that we really understand what's going on here. First of all, the kingdom of heaven is like there in verse 1. Every time, there's so many parables, and I want to end up, if Lord willing, sharing them all with you. But whenever it says the kingdom of heaven is like, I always take pause for a minute. Because Jesus is trying to tell us what, his kingdom is like and what it's about. And so I always take it seriously on what he's trying to tell me. This is his kingdom. So what's he want me to know about it? What is it like? And he says, this parable is about a king, his son, and the wedding of the son in his kingdom. So the king is referring to God the Father we know. And the Father is setting up the marriage to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is, is those that are subject to him and his reign. That means those who believe that there is a God. That those who believe in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ. It should be filled with those people. So don't you know that whenever it says that the king is throwing the wedding celebration, that it's probably going to be phenomenal. I mean, this thing is going to have to be something beyond your wildest dreams because in that day, there's no TV. <laughs> there's no other kinds of entertainment. I mean, it's drudgery day after day just trying to survive. I mean, folks, there's no electricity. We can't imagine these kind of things. There's... You've got to plant your seeds. You've got to grow your food. You've got to set it back each day. You've got to cook the meals. There is no take out and take home pre-baked stuff. You've got to work day by day. It's a grind. Whenever there would be a wedding, that was one of the very few times that you could celebrate. 
It's one of the very few times that you, you said, I have an excuse to toss a couple of things aside and go to this and just be joyful for a little bit of time. So any time a wedding from anybody was in town, the whole neighborhood, the whole village got together, and it was special. It was very special. So how do you think it would be if the king is throwing a party, a wedding celebration for his son? And you get invited. Can you imagine that? You, you think of the kings of the earth today. We're talking about the God of heaven in this parable. But you think about the kings of the earth today. I've watched them over there in Great Britain when the queen would throw something for those. Well, I mean, they shut down the county, the country for a while, don't they? And they have all of these parades and they have all of this food and all of this, this celebration and, and parties goes on. Imagine the king of heaven and his son is getting married. And he's throwing the party and he invites you. How would that make you feel? This is going to be the best thing that's ever happened in all of this. And not only is he throwing the party, usually people that are in that status, they like to divvy the stuff out, don't they? You remember in that wedding at Cana of Galilee when Jesus went there? His mama was kind of the matron of honor there that was, that was doing the things. And she said, man, the wines ran out. And he's like, woman, what have I to do with thee? My time's not yet come. But, you know, usually you hire out to the caterers and to the different people what, what they're all going to do. But I want you to notice that right here, the king himself is preparing everything. The king says, I have made ready He's doing every bit of the preparation. This is his biggest day for his son. And he's doing all the preparation of it. And it was customary in those days for a wedding feast to last an entire week. Because usually not everyone could make it and be there at the appointed time. And, and they celebrated for seven days. And so for a, for a, a, a mental note for the future... Whenever that little tribulation thing comes, you remember how long it's supposed to last for seven years? That means the people of God is going to be invited to the wedding feast that lasts that seven times while everyone else that rejected the king's invitation to the wedding is going to have to go through with it. So now you're, you're being invited to the wedding. The invitations have went out and the celebration's going to last for a week. And here's the parable. A parable is a simple story that is thrown alongside of something else as an illustration so you can understand the other thing because a lot of times it's hard to understand. So the way Jesus would teach, he would, boy, this, this is a tricky parable and what he's trying to get across, so he wants to give it with something they can understand, which is a wedding celebration, and how impactful that is, and what all goes on with it. And parabole means to para is beside, and bole is like ball to throw. So he's throwing beside of the reality this parable of the wedding feast so that we get an idea of what it is. I want you to know that nothing is said about, in this parable, about the bride about any of the festivities or anything else. It's about the king, it's about his son, and it's about the wedding celebration. But the main point is, is 
Do you accept the invitation to the feast? That's what we're going to be. This is all given from the king's viewpoint as we read it. It's not from our viewpoint. It's from the king's. And how he views this wedding celebration. Look at verse 4. It even tells us that the king says, I prepared my dinner. The oxen and the fatted cattle have been killed and prepared. All things are ready. All you have to do is say yes and come. That's all it is. Be ye ready. You see what happens is, is the invitations go out to tell you when the future event is going to happen. And when the invitations go out, you're supposed to get ready, mark it on the calendar, and prepare for the date to come so that when it comes, you're ready to go attend it. And so the word has gone out in, in verse 3. They sent out the servants to call those who were invited. So they were given out the invitations to everyone. And then it says that, Be ye ready. But all of those who were invited said, No, I'm not interested. Actually, when it says he had sent out his servants to call them that were invited, but they were not willing to come, that's in a, in a perfect tense that stretches out the entire history. So I'm going to show you in a moment how that even from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, from Moses to the prophets and to Isaiah and the judges, throughout the entire history of Israel that God had adopted them as his own children, the message of hope and salvation and the, the invitation to him has went out. And all throughout history, everybody rejected it. It says they didn't, were not interested in coming. They'd have, they wanted nothing to do with it the whole time. You know, they were not willing to come. He had planned the grandest thing that was ever going to happen in their lifetime in our lifetime, and they wanted nothing to do with it. Look at what the prophet Isaiah said. Back in Isaiah 52 and verse 7, he said, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the good news. That's the invitation. Who proclaims peace, brings the glad tidings of the good things, and proclaims salvation to Zion and to Jerusalem, and he says, your God reigns. God's call, his invitation, the good news. He puts it out all to everyone, all the way up to us today, Romans 10. And as you look at this slide, and as I read it, uh, I'm going to read it with a straight face, because I couldn't read it with a straight face, and when my wife walked in, I had a little tear in my eye, She's like, you all right? And I said, yeah, I'm just to a touchy point here. So give me that next slide, Miss T. And this is Romans chapter 10. So all the way from the prophets all the way to us today, that same message has went out. And I have to admit that the way this is a little touchy was when a young boy, myself, at about 19 years old, first read Romans chapter 10. This is when my heart got turned to want to be a preacher. Because of these words, the power that was in the middle of this that I'm going to read is what turned my heart to want to do what we're doing today. The Word of God says, what did it say? The Word is near you. You see, it's always been there for you. It's near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. 
It's the word of faith that we've been preaching since day one. That if you confess, now I want you to listen. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. You see what we're clothed with? It's the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not ours. When we profess and when we say, I believe in that resurrection power. And I want to follow through with that. He says, you are now clothed with that righteousness of him. With the mouth, the confession was made unto salvation. For the scripture says... Whoever believes on him will never be put to shame. You never have to worry whenever you make that proclamation and you stick with it. He will not let you down. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. There is no distinction between a Jew or a Greek. The same Lord is over all. He's rich to every one of them that call upon him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved And then here's my verse that pricked me in the heart. How then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe on him and who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall he preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That touched my heart. I, for some reason, I wanted my feet to be beautiful in his sight. And I set my heart on that passage right there. How can they believe in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear except someone tell them? And so then... He says, but even though I have sent my servants out over and over and over, they have not all all obeyed the gospel. Even Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by and hearing by. Amen. So that's all that we're supposed to put out there is the word of God. Speak it with, with love and with truth. And I say, haven't they all heard? Yes, indeed. The sound has gone out through all the earth. I have sent my servants to tell it. And their words have went to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel know? Moses, see, I told you it goes all the way back. Moses said from the word of God that God's going to provoke us to jealousy through another nation that will move you to anger by a foolish nation. Even Isaiah said in a bold statement, I was found by those who didn't even seek me. It was you that was supposed to be seeking me, but it was others who were finding me because you kept rejecting me and my message. And then to Israel, he says, all day long. That means from the moment I reached out to Abraham to cross the river to this very day, all day long throughout history, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and a contrary people. And I say there hasn't a thing changed since back then. Because I look around today. The auditorium should be filled with people who want to hear the word of God. Because of what we're going through. God is shaking the world. He's shaking this planet. I don't know if what you all look at. 
But I am seeing earthquakes everywhere. I am seeing volcanoes erupting everywhere. I am seeing people talk about food shortages everywhere and about sickness coming everywhere. And so the shaking out there is going on to get attention. But what does it say? They still reject me. I am putting my word out every week. And they still don't want to listen. They are a disobedient and contrary people. Not you, everyone who's not here. I'm just saying I am so glad that you're here today. But you see, this is the viewpoint of the king. And he says, now we come back to Matthew to our text. And in verse 3, the king had sent out from day one all day long. He stretched out his hand throughout time. And his servants were inviting the people to the wedding to hear the gospel and believe. But it says they were not willing to come. And that word there for not willing to come is a word that means not interested. There was no interest, no desire. The gospel message would go out, who cares? That's basically what the word means, who cares? How many times do you try to talk to people today and it's like, who cares? I don't really care. Why? I, I got my business to attend to. I got my farm. I got my home. I've, I've got other things to do. What was that Terry Clark back in the day? That was probably in the 90s. I got better things to do. You remember that old country song? No, I, I don't think most of you do. But anyway, she has a song that, that echoed this same thing. I got better things to do. And hers was like, I could wash my car. I could, you know, she had better things to do than to deal with the contrary person that she thought had loved her. God is stretching out his hand to us and all the people say is I got better things to do I don't want to I'm not willing to come to your celebration so that was the first time that all of the invitations kept going out now the time is ready the the time has come the king says I've made my feast I've killed the oxen I've killed the fatted calf all things are ready go and he sends the servants again to say because you know they didn't have any of the modern uh, conveniences of Facebook and social media and things to where you could just say zip and it's there they had to send the servants out to say it's ready come on to the feast I've got it all prepared for you maybe you've changed your minds by now and he sent other servants the prophets all the way up to John the Baptist John the baptizer comes in to prepare the way of the Lord and he came with his first words repent for the kingdom of heaven that we're, we're talking about is at hand. The first words of the Lord in his message after he was baptized of John in the Jordan and then he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, it says he began his ministry, he began preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. That means change your mind. Change your mind from saying, I don't care and I could care less and change it to the kingdom of heaven is here and I've been invited. Woo! Hallelujah, the king desires me. That's the message that's going out now. It's ready. All things are ready. Come on. But in verse 5, what does it say whenever the king said all that to the people again? What's it say in verse 5? What do you read? They made light of it. They made fun of it. The king 
has done everything that he possibly can to provide for the celebration of life that you want to have. And it says they could care less again. Not only did they care less, now they began making fun of it, making light. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He said, I'm going to make light of it. One says, it says they all went their ways. You know, everybody wants to go in their ways, the way they want to live, the way they want to do, the way they want to be. I could care less about what your Bible tells me to say. So they made light of it, one to their farm, another to their business, and the rest. Now here's, you would think the rest would be like the mafia, but no. The rest was the religious folks, the scribes, the Pharisees, the ones that put Jesus to death, those kind. Because they wanted to stay in control. They weren't really interested in God's word. They were interested in their power and their control. So the rest, those religious leaders, they started seizing all of the servants, the prophets, John the Baptist, and later, even after the Lord's death, the apostles. They seized them, they treated them spitefully, and some of them they even murdered. Let me ask you something seriously, since we're looking at this from the eyes of the king. We're looking from the viewpoint of the king and not ours. Knowing now everything up to this point, what do you think the viewpoint is of the king to those that are making fun of his celebration? You think he's happy? Think it makes him really happy that everything that he's done? You know, we know in reality he gave the life of his only begotten son for us to make ready the feast. And then he looks out and people's making fun of that. They don't care about it. I got better things to do than that. How do you think God feels? Angry. That's right. Angry. Wouldn't you? If you had done all of that for someone and they said, now nah, I got better things to do. I got no, no dealings with that. Actually, I'm going to make fun of you. Ray hit it on the head. He was angry. Look at verse 7. When the king heard about it, he was furious. I don't blame him now. Now that I understand what was going on and what all he's done and from his viewpoint, I can understand why he would be furious at everything he's tried to do. So it says he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up the city. Jerusalem, that was what happened to Jerusalem in AD 70. You know, this isn't on the stuff, Miss T. I got a point to her once in a while because when I wear camo, she can't see me. So uh, this isn't on, on there, so I'm, I'm, I'm digressing, but this is what it was. When, the, when they crucified Jesus, when they was getting ready for it, you know, he said, the pilot said, how about I let Barabbas go? You know, there's Barabbas and Jesus. I'd rather let Jesus go, but the crowd shouted what? Crucify him, give me Barabbas. Crucify him, crucify him. We want Barabbas. So, the Jews even said, the religious leaders that was crucifying him had sent him there, they said, he said, this man has innocent. I don't want his blood upon my hands. And their reply was, his blood be upon us and our children. AD 70 it was. Why? Because they rejected the invitation of the wedding to the king's son. Now watch this. 
They had rejected him. So the king said after he destroyed the area. Now we come into our day, don't we? And he says, the wedding is ready. Those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go to the highways. That means leave the Jewish area and go out into the world. And as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So God's extended it to us. Wow, hold the chariot a minute. Wait a minute, though. The wedding, it says those that were not worthy. What made them worthy? I want to I ask you a quick question as what everything we study. What made them unworthy? Not saying yes. Not accepting the invitation. Counting it as something to be scoffed at and laughed at and not, I, I got better things to do. The only thing that makes you unworthy of the kingdom of heaven is rejecting the invitation to his son and what he did for you on the cross. That's the only thing. That's what Jesus is putting here. To those who accepted that the gospel is being given by the servants as they've stretched, God stretched out his hand with his word, that is what made him worthy, was saying yes and obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. But they rejected the king and the king's gift and the Lord Jesus Christ, and it made him unworthy. Look at what it says up there. Go to the highways and invite as many as you find. There's no distinction made there. There's no, no thing about what is the color of my skin. What, how much money do I make? Where do I live? What do I do? What have I done? There is none of that. As many as you find and as who will say yes, tell them to come in and accept the invitation. Go and find me somebody that will say yes to my gift. You you remember what the Lord Jesus said when he got ready to rise in them clouds. His last words as he was going up in the clouds was, You wait here, you'll be endued with power on high. And then he said, You are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Go to the highways. Be my witness. Put the gospel message out and those who would receive it, bring them in. Now watch. It says there in the next verse, invite all of those that they found, the good and the bad. And they brought them all in until the wedding hall was filled up with guests, inviting everyone, the good and the bad. And then verse 11 says that the king came in to see his wedding hall filled with people. Now here's one of those tough sayings that we got to unpack again. Because it says he came in and he began greeting all the guests. But he found someone that wasn't in a wedding garment. And so he says, friend, how is it that you came in here to the wedding feast and didn't have a wedding garment on? And it says the man was speechless. He's like, oh. Told the servants, bind him up and toss him out into the outer darkness. And I thought, man, that's rough. You just said bring him in. So what's really going on? Well, as I meditated on it, what's usually there on that invitation? Like time, place, and if you're supposed to bring something, and what do you wear? Right? Usually, it, usually a lot of them will say, you know, this, the dress code is this or that. 
So usually the invitation tells you what you're to be clothed with in a lot. Or, and yeah, at least it was in the old days. Now it's kind of gone to where just come as you are. It's a, but, in the, but in those days, it was like whenever you would go to a special occasion, especially presented by the king, you're going you're gonna to wear something appropriate for the banquet hall because the king has called you to that, right? So, so what it was was he didn't have a wedding garment on. So for me, if this is about the kingdom of heaven and, and my idea is I want to be in that kingdom, so what do I need to do? I, what garment must I be on? Because you know what? The invitation must have told you what the garment is. What you're supposed to be wearing to be clothed with. Because God's not going to hold you accountable and toss you out for something you haven't heard. Because faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by the word of God. So the word of God should tell you what you're clothed with, right? Oh. Well, here's what we're clothed with. He said, you know, everyone's invited, but few get to be chosen. Why? Because you got to be clothed with something special. What I tell you in the beginning we're clothed with? His righteousness of Jesus Christ. Look up there on the board on this next slide. Galatians chapter 3, 26, 27. Here's our garment. All of you are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Amen. Thank you. You've clothed yourself. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about my righteousness, but it's about what I was clothed with. This, this cat had came to the wedding of the son, but didn't want nothing to do with the son. He didn't want to be clothed with the son. He didn't care about the wedding. He was probably, he's a wedding crasher, man. He's just there for the food and the drink. He didn't care less. And so the king saw that. But what I want you to say is they called everyone the good, the bad. And you get clothed from the invitation with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You become children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And that faith is in his death, burial and resurrection by the power of God unto salvation and a new life. And when we imitate that. That's all that is, is saying, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to die to self to show that I'm going to be buried in the water, as he said. And I'm going to rise again to a newness of life. And that's the gospel. And that's the good news. And when I do that, it says, I am now clothed with his righteousness. And God no longer sees me, but he sees Jesus. Because I got his garment on. So he said... That is it. What was the invitation? We've been talking about the invitation of God. Now we're going out, Jesus said, to all the world. What was the invitation Jesus told us to teach? All right. Next slide. Look. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world. So here's the Lord talking. Send the invitation out to all the world. Preach the gospel message of my death, burial, and resurrection to every creature. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But those who don't believe are condemned. The only folks who will be condemned are those who reject the invitation of the king concerning the wedding of a son. Anyone has the opportunity to accept the invitation.
And all you got to do is to follow that. Say yes. And you are invited to that good news. To that kingdom of heaven. For the kingdom of heaven is like this. Jesus began with. Clothed with Christ by faith in Christ. Because that, that other guy. He might have showed up saying I believe in one of these other gods or something. But the word of God says there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And that's his invitation. So as our praise team returns, he wasn't clothed with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. How about us? As it says in Romans 13 and verse 14, the guests had clothed themselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and now they don't think of their own things. They, they didn't care about going back to their field or back to their um, business or their merchandise. There's no rejection. They don't want to go back to those fleshly ways. They are now on board with the wedding ceremony. No rejection, only perfection in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then there's going to be a wingding one day. And those who have accepted that are going to be the ones that's there. Please, if you're here this day, you, you saw the invitation. If you have not accepted the invitation and been clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ, don't reject it. We don't know how long it will be before either we're not here or the Lord comes and gets us. Tomorrow's not promised. So I say, you saw the reaction, and we all agreed with the reaction of the Father to those who rejected the invitation. Don't let that be you. Make that known today. The water is ready. The clothes, we got clothes and towels. You don't have to leave here wet. But you'll get wet and be clothed with his righteousness. And to those of us who have, don't let no one, don't let no one turn you back Look at what the Lord Jesus said himself in Revelation 3, verses 3 through 6 to the church at Sardis. This, those two chapters, chapter 2 and 3, are the Lord's words to us, to the church. And he says this to those that was in Sardis. This is beautiful. How it all ties in. How, no, no one could have written the Bible from all these years. It, it is from God and it's all tied together. Look at what Jesus says in Revelation 3, 3. Remember, therefore, how you received and what you have heard and hold fast to that and repent. If, therefore, you don't watch, I can come on you as a thief in the night and you wouldn't know the hour that I would come upon you. But I'm looking for those whose names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their what? Garments. <laughs> what you've been clothed with. They've not defiled their garments. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And what makes you worthy? You're clothed in his righteousness. That's what makes it worthy. He that overcometh. Always love these promises of the overcomers. You shall be clothed in white raiment. This is beautiful. I will clothe you in my righteousness. You will be clothed in white and I promise, this is the Lord speaking, I promise I will not blot your name out of the book of life. But I, the Son of God at the wedding feast, will even confess 
your name before my father and his angels. If you got an ear to hear, let the spirit, let the church hear what the spirit says to the churches. There is not a better invitation ever given. He says, I will clothe you. All things are ready. I've already done the work and I will clothe you. You will be clothed in white. I will not blot your name out of the book of life. And as a matter of fact, I will say I do to you in that wedding ceremony. And I will profess your name before the congregation of angels and my father who is giving me away in heaven. That is beautiful. Father, your word is so powerful. It's so, it's just so enlightening. And now I see the importance of accepting the invitation and what you've done and provided. And I couldn't have imagined when I started this journey in this parable that it would end here with your son saying I do one day to those who believe in him. Thank you, Father, for grace. Thank you for having patience and bringing us to this place to hear your powerful word. And Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and all things are ready. And I pray now that you were glorified and exalted this day through your word. And I pray, Father, that your word will now be embedded in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.